welcome to Les Pod. You are here, my friends, because you believe in the LGBTQ plus community and the importance of sharing our individual stories to help impact one another. Our goal with the show is to introduce you to people and ideas that are going to help motivate you to pursue your passions and believe in yourself. My name is Alexandria Friedlander, and I'm here to introduce you to remarkable guests that have impacted the world we live in today. Today's guest is a privilege and an honor to share that I have Kitty Simmons on the show. Please help me welcome Kitty to the show. Woo! <laughs> awesome. Now I'm gonna let Kitty share all of her juicy details, but just to give you a little insight as to who she is, um, I met Kitty about, probably about six years ago. Um, believe it or not, I did, six years ago. And I wasn't in the, the best frame of mind, but she really stood out to me. She's assertive. She's an amazing artist. She is uh, brilliant. She knows what she wants in life. And what I love about her is that she goes after what she wants, despite the obstacles that come in her way. So help me again welcome her to the show. And uh, let's go ahead and get started. Let's do this. Let's get naked. Let's get naked. <laughs> let's do it, girl. All right. So, Kitty, let's kick it off, you know, in the beginning. It's not always easy, but um, tell me a little bit about your childhood, what it was like growing up, where you're from. Um, I'm a Broward County native. Oh, okay. You know, born and raised. Um, I, I grew up in two different households, right? Like, my mom and dad split when I was six weeks old. And my father is, or was, an active alcoholic. I don't know. We don't have a relationship anymore. And um, my mother was always very supportive and loving, if if not a little on the wild side. Right. Um, they both remarried when I was four, and they both had two children of their own with their new spouses. Um, it was a lot of back and forth between the two houses. Um, they would split holidays. I would see my dad on the weekends and over the summers, and I would live with my mom during the week. Uh, during the school year and um I mean it was I was kind of always like I know my family didn't mean for me to like feel this way right I know that they always did the best that they could with what they had but I always felt like I didn't ever really belong in either family you know like they had their own perfect lives with the people that they were happy with at the time and they had their own kids so I was kind of always an oddball back and forth so you kind of felt like the black sheep yeah yeah. 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 Which is super cool today, but at the time as a kid growing up super awkward, like being short and chubby and Yeah, know, they don't teach us glasses. they don't teach us how to deal with things like that. No, there wasn't a lot of talk about it either. There was a lot of shame, I think, with like I didn't want to make my parents feel guilty for what they did. Um, I never saw them together, you know, but I didn't ever really talk about it. You know, it was there was a lot of well, I got two Christmases and two birthdays and Two Thanksgivings and you know like I was just I always felt even in a room full of my family alone well wow. yeah which as a kid was really shitty yeah I can imagine I and I can relate so going through that experiencing that how did you cope and how old were you when you started to really feel that way or I mean I acknowledge it I feel like I felt it as long as I can remember like if I look back I was always the kid that I did things to try and make the people around me approve of me, right? 
Um, my dad didn't like blue nail polish, so I, I, I wouldn't until my more rebellious years wear it to his house. You know, and um, I mean, there wasn't a whole lot of coping other than eating or obsessively reading or just throwing myself in whatever my current fixation was. You know, I did a lot of drawing, a lot of painting, and a lot of escaping as a kid. I just didn't, I didn't really address it because I didn't know what it was. Right. You know? Yeah. How do you say as a five-year-old, there's 30 people here and I'm alone? Right. How do you say that? Yeah, you feel alone. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's difficult. That's hard. Um, so you, so you use your escapes, you, you, you know, you drew, um, any other forms of escapes that you started utilizing as a child? I ate. Yeah. Uh, I wore a mask. I elaborate on that, please. <laughs> that, that's interesting to me. So, I mean, that's a huge part of, of my entire life, right? Like that chameleon mask that I was whoever I thought you wanted me to be. Oh, not like a physical, actual, like, mask. No. Oh, I got that confused. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm sure there was some of that in there because I was always kind of a brilliant, brilliantly creative kid. Yeah. But, like, it was a lot of... I just... I remember my dad saying when I would go to his house and I would be upset and I would cry, I would have to go into the bathroom and, like, wash my face until it wasn't red anymore. Yeah. And I couldn't come out until I had a smile on. Hmm. You know? Wow. And I don't fault him for any of that now, but it definitely did some damage as a kid, for sure. Yeah, of course. I um, I don't know what it's like to be a parent, but I do know that it's not easy. And at the end of the day, I think our parents just really do the best they can because it's hard. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah. And being it's a, nonstop. Being a young person, like someone who's the age my parents were when they had me and my siblings... Um, like, I can't imagine having kids. Right. I can't imagine how difficult it was trying to raise little people while trying to figure out who you are as a person. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. It is a lot. Um, so tell me a little bit about your drawing. When, you know, you started doing it to, to cope. When did you really start to, to fall in love with it and appreciate so, your talent? My dad used to tell this story of, he knew I was an artist when, um, he came into the bedroom and I was painting the wall with my diaper. <laughs> Very nice. Um, and I would get art kits as a kid, like for Christmas and birthdays and, and that kind of stuff. And most of it really happened over the summers and at the weekends with my father when there was like a lot of escaping. You know, um, I would draw, I had this like obsession. My dad loved like Braveheart, the movie, the mm -hmm. dragon movie. So I would draw a lot of dragons trying to get his approval. Yeah. Um, and they were terrible. Um, but I would also draw women with big gauged ears and shaved heads and, you like know. Like the look of you. Yeah, it's crazy when I look back on it because I have this, I used to draw the same face of a woman with half of her head shaved. And then I look back at pictures of myself with half of my head shaved and I was like, I became... That's what I wanted to be. Wow. Yeah, you manifested. Yeah. I mean, I had the nose ring in the pictures. I used to have the nose ring. You yeah. know, like all that stuff. Like, I just wanted to be cooler than I was. And that's what I would draw. I would draw my dreams, essentially, who I wanted to be. Don't we all? And didn't we all? Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. I think five-year-old me would be, like, best friends with me now. Yeah? For sure. Yeah. That's what's up. What yeah. would you tell your five-year-old self today? Talk about it. Talk about it. How do you know to talk about things when you're not used to talking about things. 
Well, the only way to get used to something is to do it, right? Is to like jump off the ledge and and get into that like you know, there's that fear of like falling and hurting yourself. Right. right when you jump off a diving board. Right. Right? What if I belly flop? What if I embarrass myself? What if everybody laughs at me? But like what if you don't? True. What if you swan dive? What if you have the best fucking experience of your life? Right. What if it's terrible and you do it again and it's better the next time? Right. So like talk about it. Like when you're angry, like say that you're angry. You yeah. know? Don't be so hard on yourself. You can't please everybody. You know? That's true. Just be a kid. Right. You know, being a kid is this incredible experience where you get to imagine the world the way that you want to see it and you get to develop like people skills life skills and that's all part of being a kid and I think that I kind of robbed myself of that trying to fit into all of the different environments well you know what you're here today yeah you're doing great you're making an impact and thankfully you're sharing your story with us today yeah in hopes that you will inspire at least one person out there which you will I hope so Yes, definitely. As you know, this is an LGBTQ plus um, podcast. Yes. Um, what What has been your experience or experiences with um, being a part of the community, being an ally of the community? Um, how do you identify? How does it hit home for you? How so, it- <laughs> it's. It's a tangent. Are you ready? Yes, absolutely. Um, so I was an awkward kid in high school. And uh, I can't remember the name of the group. But there was a group of kids. It was a bunch of theater kids and band geeks and the goths and the weirdos and the anime kids. And they all came together for this. It was essentially like an LGBTQ group, right? Um, and I became friends with all of them. And I remember thinking like I had found a place where I could be the weirdo that I am and not feel judged Mm. and um like that led me down a path of like questioning my own sexuality and there was this pressure to be anything but straight at the time right um because I wanted to fit in I brought that over like I wanted to fit in you know and I did I did experience a whole lot of experimentation you know I did some damage for sure um I slept with women and I, I recognize it now as I was sleeping with women to feel a part of, to feel validated, to feel vindicated, to feel anything. Right. Um, And like, I couldn't, I couldn't come out and say like, I'm straight because I was afraid that they wouldn't love me. I mean, I know that that's different now. But that's how you felt at the time. At the time, absolutely. And I did a lot of damage. I remember um, my first girlfriend, she was this like beautiful Jamaican woman well girl really I was in high school and I went home to my mom and I was like mom what would you do if I was gay and she was like what what do you mean I would love you and I was like cool check one she's at least you can't get pregnant okay Okay. and then I went to my dad and the response was the exact opposite Mm. you know um he was raised southern baptist he he I don't know where he stands now but his thoughts on that were that's a disease, it's not okay, I would feel bad for you, that kind of thing. And um, I remember having to like struggle and fight and I wanted to fit in here and I wanted to be with her and we tried a polyamorous relationship and I believe her and him are married now, yeah. um, which is very cool. Awesome. Um, you know, but like I did a lot of damage and kind of coming to in the last decade of my life, I've realized that I can be 
accepting and loving of an entire community of people without having to fall under any of the letters, right? Or labels. Right. Yeah. I, don't, I don't need that label. Like, right. I can believe in anybody's right to love and to marry and to raise a family and to chase their dreams and to do all the things that I want to do. I don't care who you sleep with. Right. I want you to experience the joys of being in love. I'm incredibly in love now. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's pretty cool. That's amazing. <laughs> he's pretty cool. I'm very happy for you. Thank you. Me too. Me too. Um, all right, so let's, uh, let's move forward. Okay. What um, I am I hope that it's okay that I'm kind of kind of call you out, but you are a right. um a recovering addict. I am. Okay. Well, that's that's amazing. Um, there's a lot of people in the community who struggle with drug addiction, alcohol addiction, um, self harm, suicidal ideations, um, not knowing how to talk about things, so they numb themselves. What um. Tell me a little bit about your journey. You know, how long you've been clean and sober for, um, how that's been for you, how it's impacted your life, and how it's changed you to become the person you are today. Well, I wouldn't change any of it, as painful as it was. I'm going to start with that. Um, I've been without a drink or a drug for a little over nine years. Congratulations. Thank you. That's amazing. Thank you. Um, yeah, I'm coming up on that dime piece, and I'm like, yeah. I'm like shimmy and form, so I'm like fighting for it. Um, Get it. Not that that's like an end marker, but like I'm excited, you right. know? Um, I think it all kind of sort of happened at the same time, right? Struggling with sexuality, uh, using substances to get out of myself, trying to kind of struggling with mental health and not knowing how to talk about it. You know, it was this constant disconnect with the reality around me and this refusal to open up enough to connect. Mm. You know, like I can, I can walk into a kitchen full of food and somebody who will, like with a chef, and, and if I don't open my mouth and say I'm hungry, I'm not going to get fed. And it's the same thing with human connection, right? It's the same thing with, with needing help with anything, you know, like. Yeah. It, and it was, it was a, a vicious, vicious process that lasted about 13 years. And I mean, it switched from, from one drug to another. And at the end of it, I had completely given up everything that my family had fought for me to have. You know, college education, a car, a safe place to live, a job, a roof over my head. I mean, my stepfather was paying for art school and I had to drop out because I couldn't stay clean. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And what are some of the, you know, not to get too, um, too, too deep and... Let's get deep. Let's get right. deep. What, what, what is, what is it, to, to give some perspective that you know it's not just pot it's not just heroin it's not just crack not to minimize those substances but what did you experience to be able to survive and still get high and do what you needed to do until you were able to say i'm done i want to give people some perspective some insight (laughs) because i don't think that people realize the the levels that we will go to for any length yeah of being able to feel numb. So it was a lot of it's it's a repetitive cycle, right? It's a lot of that pretending to be whoever I'm around. Mm. You know, the substance didn't matter. Um, I grew up in a middle class suburban neighborhood with everything handed to me. You know, and um, at the end of it, I was worth no more than $3 to whoever was sleeping next to me. 
and I was living behind a dumpster, eating out of eating out of a Dunkin' Donuts dumpster, doing anything and everything just to get high, you know. And, and at the end of it, I didn't, I didn't want to stop. I didn't want to stop. I I was still in that refusal to open up enough to connect. Why I, didn't you want to stop? I like getting high. <laughs> you know? No, that's honest. I want to I like, hear that. I like getting high. You know, and to sit here and say that, like, if there were no consequences, I wouldn't still smoke crack. Like, right? Absolutely, I would. Yeah. But I can't maintain a job. I can't be myself. I can't connect with my partner. I can't be honest. I can't have friendships. I can't have a bank account. I can't feed my animals. I can't deal with my depression the way that I need to if I'm using other substances. Right. You know, like. When you're taking the antidepressant and you're drinking alcohol, yeah, you counteract it. You know, my brain wasn't working right. Yeah. At the end of it, I I didn't feel like I was worth anything, and I didn't want to stop. And uh, shout out to the Broward County Sheriff's Office. Thanks, guys. Thank um, you. <laughs> I'm assuming they arrested you. They and... did. They did in uh, 2013. And how long did they you did. serve for? So I sat for five months. Okay. Um, I was arrested in January. I sat for five months. I got out. I was out for two weeks. I was ripping and running the same way I was before. And uh, I, in June, I was arrested again. And that was when I decided I was gonna. I was gonna say, okay, all right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop using for a year. Prove it. Prove to everybody I'm not an addict, right? I'm not an addict. Just leave me alone to like get high in peace. I'm not hurting anyone. So it's fascinating. So you decided to get help. Not for yourself, but to prove other people wrong. Yeah, I'm a spiteful bitch. No, 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 I get it. Because when, when, I, when I first got clean over 11 years ago, um, and this is your story, I don't want to take away from it, but I remember my, my therapist and my house manager saying, if you date this woman, you're going to relapse and you're going to die. And I said, no, I'm not. And I fucking proved them wrong and stayed clean for four and a half years. Yeah. You know, so sometimes we need that. My mother said, when I called her to ask me for halfway, and she eventually did start helping me again when she saw that I was going to stay clean. Right. Um, but I remember my mom saying, you never make it past six months. And I was like, oh, well, you then. Right. Like, I can do this. I have control. Right? That, like, twisted idea that I could do it all on my own. Yeah. You know? And yeah. then I found myself in a halfway house. Unable to get a job selling tacos because I had no personality. Um, Which is surprising, folks, because she's phenomenal. I had no personality. Like, when dreadlock, polished on three of my toes. Like, I hated everybody. The woman was like, what's your favorite movie? And I was like, uh-oh. It's fun. I mean, you can't tell somebody in a job interview your favorite movie is about Crystal Math. You just can't. Yeah. Plus, we were... You were miserable. You weren't... From my only speak from the other but you were miserable. So, it's like, how can you... Divulge positive information about yourself when you're so unhappy just being alive. Yeah, I was I was on a revenge mission for sure. Yeah, I was more interested in proving everybody wrong than I was in living a fulfilling life. And I mean that changed around nine months. And it could have something to do with the fact that I had gotten into a relationship. It could have something to do with the fact that I had gotten involved with like-minded people who were already staying clean. You know it. Yes. It could have been a combination of two of those things, a few of those things. You know, I, I, I don't really care what it was that flipped a switch. I'm just glad that it flipped. And what do you do today? And, and me too. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. What do you do today to maintain your recovery, to maintain that 
that mindset that can easily get distorted when life gets good or when it gets bad. Well, I'm gonna say this. And this is my favorite line when I'm laying in bed and don't wanna get out of bed and paint. Motivation is fucking overrated. Motivation is overrated. Sound, sound like Mel Robbins. Shout out to Mel Robbins, by the way, for <laughs> watching this. We love you. Motivation, it, it doesn't just come to you. It's not like a puppy dog that needs you to feed it, right? It's, I, I think it was Picasso. Please don't quote me on this. But inspiration will find you, but it has to find you working. Mm. You know, like, um, I do a lot of service for people like me. Give me an example of what that looks like. Um, I pick girls up and take them to meetings, or I answer the phone in the middle of the night when somebody needs to talk, or um, I share my story, you know, or I lovingly, to the best of my loving ability, call people out um, directly without being brutally honest, mm. you know? Yeah. Because brutal honesty is still brutal. Um, I do service. I'm, I'm a kind person to the rest of the world, and I know that when I'm using, I'm not. I don't ever want to be that woman again. What do you think service does for you? Like, what do you think it does for your insides? How, how do you think it makes you feel about yourself? Service is the root of joy for mm. me. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's um, <laughs> it's inconvenient. Service is inconvenient. I am still at the core of me a very selfish human being. But in order to live an abundantly fulfilled life, I have to do service. I have to show up. So is it selfish? Is it self-preservation? Is it... I don't know. It's, it makes me happy five years from now when somebody... I'll say something to someone and then five years later they'll come up to me and say, I remember when you said this thing. Hmm. You know? And all I was doing was sharing my story at that point. Right. And it, it hits. It right? impacted them. Right. And that's that. I have a purpose here. You know, my purpose isn't to make money. My purpose isn't to have the house. And I mean, I would love the house and the car and the dogs and, and all that. But like, my purpose is to really make an impact and have as many people remember me when I'm gone as a kind, loving human being. Not as, not as the junkie you can let in your house. Right. Because that's who I was. Right. My mother, when I had three or four years clean, my mother asked me if I was going to steal from her. I believe it. I did a lot of damage. And I don't want that to be what I leave behind. Service fills my cup. It makes me happy. It connects me mm. to the people around me. And it allows people to see you as an example. And I just want to share this one thing that... Share whatever. You know, when, I, when I was first coming into the room over 11 years ago, um, I remember getting a greeting from somebody and then remembering my name. Yeah. And then I came back to the same meeting and I saw the person again and I was like, oh, I don't really want to say hi to this person. I'm kind of, I'm like really insecure. Like, I don't even know who the fuck I am. And they're like, hey, Alex. And I was like, holy shit, you remember my, or she remembered my name. And it made me feel like I mattered. You do matter. I right, remember. But, but at that time in my life, we don't think we matter. No, not at all. I, there are still days I don't think I matter. Yeah. But I remember you introducing yourself to me this time around like three or four times. You're like, I'm Alex. I'm Alex. And I'm like, I know, I follow you on TikTok. I know. I know who you are. Yeah. <laughs> you know? You do matter. Yeah, we all do. Yeah, we all absolutely. Do. And it's important. The opposite of addiction is connection. Yes. 
you know? And that connection is what allows me to be okay with me being who I am and you being who you are and loving you either way, you know? As long as you're not hurting yourself or somebody else in the process, I'm gonna let you do what you want. I just wanna see people flourish and grow and bloom and be ridiculous. And be who they want and deserve to be. Yeah. Because we only have one life. Yeah. And it's short. As, so as short. we both know, we've lost a lot of people in recovery. And I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I really am, this isn't over, but I'm totally grateful that, that you uh, decided to be a part of the show. So thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Absolutely. Um, so what is it like, you know, again, you're an artist, you, you do a lot, you're, you're, you're basically a housewife, which I love, I'd love to have a housewife, you know. Yeah. And I'll, you know, it depends, we'll see what happens. But there are a lot of work, housewives, let me tell you. Oh, we're, I believe we it. Are I, I believe it, I believe it. Cool. Being a female in, a, in more of a male-dominated industry when it comes to the arts. See, I find this question difficult. Just do the best you can. Um... Well, the most difficult part about it is, is I've always felt like success is, is different. The definition of success is different for everybody, right? Mm-hmm. And my definition of success is not to make more money than a man or to, be, to sell more paintings than Picasso because that would be insane. I mean, it would be great if you guys want to check out my paintings. That's cool. We'll put the link. Um, <laughs> but, like, I think in all industries the biggest thing that I've had to overcome with being a woman, right? Who up until this most recent relationship, I was, I earned more than my male counterparts. I worked harder, I climbed to the top faster um, because I was super driven in this like crazy, strong warrior, masculine vibe, right? I was just like, I have to get to the top. Yeah. Um, Like I didn't ever really see it that way other than when I would say something and a man would say the same thing and when I would say it I would be a bitch mm. and he would say it and he would be like he's a he's a top dog like he's a big man gotcha. and like I think women as the like as who we are women are art yes we have yeah. this incredible ability to create and do this we have like this superpower yeah you know and there's not a single man in the world they can do what I do. Touche, you know? sister. So touche. Love that. And if Love they think that. I'm a bitch, I mean, maybe that's it now. I don't know. No, and you know what? <laughs> bitches are cool as long as they're kind and in the long run and just bitchy when it comes to caring about themselves. I think that it's okay to be a little bit selfish as long as you are selfless, which you are, and you you exhibited that here. Thanks. You're yeah. welcome. Um, just not a doormat. <laughs> I hear you. Yeah. Um. What would you say uh, has been one of your greatest takeaways? Like one of your greatest takeaways during one of your let me fucking sorry cut. Um, <laughs> thank God I can edit this. What would you say is one of your biggest journeys throughout life? Mm. Aside from getting clean, self discovery. I think that the scariest place that anybody can go is into themselves, you know? Yeah. Because, so when I think about it, right, like, I I think about the little girl that I was, and then I was picking up all of these beliefs, and all of these ideas, and all of these thoughts, and all of these identities, mm. right? Like, society. Yeah. Fat, 
selfish, slutty, whatever it was. I was picking up all of these labels and identities. And part of self-discovery is figuring out what, what bits of those are true and what bits are just opinions and which ones I want to keep and which ones I don't. And then choosing what identity I want and going for it. Yes, like, absolutely. Like I'm an artist. Yes. And in order to be an artist, I know what I have to do, right? The plan is ABC. I get up, I paint, I draw, I sketch, I market, I work really hard, buy my paintings. Um, <laughs> buy them. You know, and self-discovery is a scary process. There was a, there was a very frightening little girl in here. Um, she still shows up occasionally, you know, like when... I want my fiance to put the dishes away and he doesn't because God, I wash them and everything. <laughs> you know, like I show up and want to stamp my feet and act like a selfish brat, but at the end of the day, that's that's just an identity and I can either choose to live in that identity or not. I just want to be a kind artist who's kind of funny and is happy. Whatever that looks like in the day. You know? That's amazing. Yeah. That is amazing. Um, so what what would you say you hope to instill or inspire others from your journey as a whole? You can edit this, right? So if I cuss, you can bleep it out. Yeah, do you want... Fuck the bullshit. You want, you want me to take that out? Well, no, you just bleep the fuck. Okay. <laughs> if, if you need to, it doesn't matter to me. Um, It'll start from top. Yeah. <laughs> fuck the bullshit. What does that mean? All of those ideas and, and opinions and that negative self-talk and that that ball and chain that society puts on us to be what we think society, to be the cover girl mm. or to be, 15 years ago, you wouldn't have caught me cooking a meal or mopping the floor for anybody but myself, right? Yeah. That's part of being of service in my household. Right. But I had this like idea of what women who did that were and I thought less of them. And the truth is, is like, I'm more of a woman today than I've ever been. So would you say that? Fuck the bullshit. Fuck the bullshit. Would you say that you're not beneath anything? Because you've survived so much. Um, I mean, I still struggle. And I'm not saying you don't. But would but, you say that as a characteristic that you've developed over time, over growth, that nothing is beneath you? No. I mean, I think everything's kind of a level playing field. Everybody's got a shot, right? Yeah. You know, like... I've, I can walk into a room with a CEO or a man who lives out of a grocery cart and they're the same to me. They get treated the same. That's what I want to hear. Everybody struggles. Everybody hurts and breaks and pain is part of life and everybody's got the right to be happy. Yes. As long as it doesn't hurt anybody else, everyone has the right to be happy. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, all right, we're gonna we're gonna we're almost done. We're finishing this up. Um, I do have I do have an important question. If anyone is listening um, right now to this, everybody over there, I hope you guys are still here with us. We love you. Um, but if anybody's listening right now who's working on a project or an idea or an obstacle or struggling, um, what kind of advice, Kitty, would you give to them? Because sometimes we get so stuck and so complacent and we repeat the same thought in our head over and over and over and over again until we just either don't do it 
or try to do it, but still feel like we're not going to accomplish it. So what, what guidance do you have to share? It sounds like obsession and depression, mm. right? <clears throat> Which is the overwhelming thought cycle and anxieties in there and PTSD even falls under the same wet blanket that I think is, it's not an excuse. I'm not saying it's an excuse because it's a, it's a struggle. Right. Mental health is a struggle. Um, but it's that wet blanket that I continue to throw water on when I'm in the cycle. And um, this is going to sound ridiculous. Wiggle your big toe. And what I mean by that is, you ever see that movie Kill Bill? Yeah. Where Uma Thurman is... Yeah, great movie. Right? She's in the coffin and she's buried under dirt and she's pregnant. She just needs to get out of this hole with all this weight on top of her and she can't move. Yeah. So it's just it's just starting. Wiggle your big toe. Just just wiggle your toe enough to get out of bed. That's like that's my mantra at home. Wiggle your big toe. And some days it's it happens at ten AM and other days it happens at three and right. as long as I wiggle my big toe, you know, wiggle your just just a little bit. Just do a little bit. Because it's my experience that people in motion remain in motion. Yes. Yes. I love that. That you is know? so true. And it's, it's so true. Once I start, it's harder to get me to stop than it is for me to try and start again later. You know? Like, I just, I go. And I'll go until the wheels fall off, which is not always great, but I will. It's a learning process. Yeah. It's, but I wiggle my big toe. I love that. I, I say it when I drag my fiance out of bed all the time. Wiggle your big toe. Wiggle your big toe. So guys, ladies, everybody out there, wiggle your big toe. Okay? <laughs> All right. And last question for the evening, or for the day, I'm sorry. This is a big one. What is the kind of legacy that you'd like to leave behind as an individual, as an artist, as a woman, as a caretaker, as a friend? Overall, everything that you are, because you are so much... Yeah, I'm a whole lot. <laughs> Thank God for that. Yeah, I wouldn't have it any other way. Um, it's the same legacy that was left behind by a woman that I have a tremendous amount of respect for. And that's that uh, it's all about love. It's all about love, right? Whatever that, that driving force that gets you to do this, or to feed yourself, or to brush your teeth, or to walk your dog, or... That's what it's all about. It's all about love. It's about loving people where they're at, letting people love you where you're at, asking for help, um, staying centered in love. And there are so many times where I can feel her talking to me in moments that she's not with me, you know? It's all about love. And it can't be anything else. And how do you, let's say that, not, not to, make this too long but let's say you are struggling with self-love or being able to love how do you how do you get there self-love self-love wanting to love others mm -hmm. how do you get there so self-love i bought a really nice vibrator very nice <laughs> um read it no oh. no it's uh it's the lilo sona Hmm. Um, I'm going to write that down. Okay, thanks. It's incredible. I'll send you the link. I can't wait. Okay, let's go. Um, so good. <laughs> um, you have to use lube with it. I just... Okay. Fair warning. Yes, ma'am. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, 
But I mean, self-love is so much more, right? And I used to look at self-love as like spa days and vacation and journaling and right. coffee on lip paint, like the influencer self-love bullshit. Mm-hmm. Self-love is brushing my teeth. Self-love is feeding my body. Showering. Showering. Self-love is um, standing up for myself in a way that doesn't hurt somebody else because it hurts me to hurt others. Yes. Um, I had to look at love in a different way, right? Like setting boundaries is an act of love. And like saying, I am no longer willing to do this because of the pain that it causes you or me or whatever. Like that's love. Love is saying, I will bring you this far, but you have to walk the rest of the way. Mm. Love is, I will show you how to do this so you can do it for yourself. Love is, I'm enabling you. I have to back off. And you can also love from a distance. Right. And I'll never forget the time that I looked at somebody that I thought that I loved and realized how miserable I was making him. Mm. And I thought... This is not love. If I love him, like I, I have to go. I'm going to drag him into the ground. And um, I, realized, I, <laughs> I realized then what love really was. And love is an action word. Yeah, love is an action word. I mean, it's, it's a feeling, it's, but it's an action word. It's doing this. This is love. This is self-love. Chasing your dreams and and being of service in my home, and that's all love. Being available when the phone rings, or taking somebody somewhere they need to be, or taking someone out to dinner who can't afford it. Right, like yeah. people did for me. Yeah. I learned from everybody around me. All of the people that picked me up and pulled me out of that hole that I was in, they showed me how to love. Correct. And then it just kind of adapts. And, and other loving other people is not easy. Because you have to accept them for where they're at. It's, it's one of the most difficult things because not everybody wants to allow you to love them. Very true. Very true. That's powerful. um, Or they demand that you love them in the way that they think that they should be loved in. And the way that they think that they should be loved in is enabling, which is not love. Yeah, that's true. And like loving somebody is saying no when you mean it and yes when you mean it and being making the right decision right now that's love because of how it affects everybody around me you know i have to think about how my behavior is going to affect my partner's child my mother my sister you you know i have to think about those things right instead of being so self-absorbed that those things aren't even in the forefront of your mind right yeah and that's magical that that that's a gift it's a practice. It's a practice, but it's, it's a gift because yeah. it it allows you to transition into a much healthier, better version of yourself. It and not everyone me, works on that. It gives me the ability to connect, which is all I ever wanted. Right. You know? Yeah. Like, I just want to be a part of whatever you've got going on. Does anybody else out there want to be a part of? I bet we do. You know why? Because we're human. Well, thank you so much, Kitty Simmons, for being on the show, for being on Les Pod. You killed it. Thanks. You killed it. I love you so much. Thank you for being in my life. You too.